Hey, this is Taylor McCaffrey. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Do me a favor, share this podcast with other people. We thank God that this podcast has been reaching many different nations of the world. And also, if you haven't already, I want you to pray about partnering with us every month as we continue to preach the gospel and go after the harvest of souls. And we also feed hungry people with Feed the Hungry every single month. So if you'd like to be a part of that with us, our website is faithandfire.de. You can go to that website. All the giving information is there. And when you partner with us, a portion of your seed goes to helping feed the hungry. And obviously, as we continue to do live meetings and preach the gospel, you're a part with us of every single soul that's one into the kingdom. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light.
Hey everybody, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Um, if you would share the broadcast, it's going to be good broadcast today. And um, I'm believing God that it's going to help people. Uh, let me turn my mic down just a little bit. Um, so wherever you're watching from, let me know. I'll be glad to interact with you and greet you. If you're not familiar with me, I'm Taylor McCaffrey, a uh, simple preacher of the gospel. So I want to get in today to uh, the subject of renewing your mind. These broadcasts that I'm doing this week are all about discipleship. For, forgive me for not looking at the camera before now. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's all about discipleship. It's about learning about your walk with God, learning about the different aspects of your walk with God. If you have uh, subjects that you want to know more about, some, some stuff in the Bible you um, have been wanting to learn, then you can let me know, and I'll be glad to study and, and do my best to cover that for you. Uh, but that's what this is about. <clears throat> and so I'm going to go into the Bible and teach you things about your walk with God, about how to be successful in your spiritual walk with God right here, right now on this, on this earth. Because you ha you're supposed to live in victory as a child of God. But if you don't know how to uh, renew your mind, if you don't know how to make the different aspects of your walk with God uh, work today, right now, then you're going to get frustrated because you're not going to see the victory you're, the Bible says that you're supposed to see. So let's get right into it. If you haven't already shared the broadcast, please share it. It gets it to more people. helps me to reach more people. People need to be taught the Word of God. Um, and whoever you are, comment. Let me know you're watching so I can greet you. Uh, I am not afraid to uh, interact with you on the broadcast. So let's get started. I want to talk about renewing the mind and three, giving you three things about the importance of renewing your mind. These three things, um, it's not by any, by any means the only three things that the Bible mentions about renewing your mind, but there's so much to the subject that I'm trying to bring it all into uh, simple terms to where anybody who watches this broadcast can grab a hold of it. Um, <clears throat> obviously, this entire thing hinges upon the fact that you have already given your, given your life to Christ. And if you haven't done so, I want you to listen to this broadcast. I'm going to pray for people at the end. So if you, if you need healing or something in your body, uh, breakthrough in your lives, breakthrough in your finances, um, and especially if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to pray for people, give you an opportunity to do those things. And I'm going to trust God to do a work in your life through this, these broadcasts. And um, I believe that God's going to work in your, in your spirit and in your mind and help you get revelation from His Word. Hey, Mario, in Switzerland, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Um, and anyone else who comes on, go with me. I'm going to get started on these three things. Go with me to the book of 1 John, or not 1 John, 3 John, right next to Revelation. The book of 3 John, and um, <clears throat> these three things are very practical, the way that I'm going to teach you and, and describe it to you, but the one thing that you need to understand before I get started on the practical side is that our, our mind is a spiritual weapon. Everything that I'm going to teach uh, goes into the spirit the spirit of a person. And so the Holy Ghost 
helps us to renew our mind to what the Bible says. Because as children of God, how do we live in this world with everything that's going on and this Bible be our source for truth? But how do we also see the Bible, the things in the Bible that the Bible says are ours as children of God? How do we walk those things out? How do we see them um, not just be something that we speak or something we think, but be something that we actually live in this, in this life and in this world? I'm going to break some of those things down. The book of 3 John, <clears throat> and um, let's start in verse 2. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. I don't actually like the way that's saying that. Let me quote it to you because I don't like this translation. It says, Beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So that's talking about really the, the, entire, uh, the entire being of a person. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. So that's the first thing that you have to get settled. You are a born-again spirit whenever you, whenever you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Mario, I, I, read, from, um, uh, I read from the New Living Translation. I like the translation because it's easy to understand, but sometimes I don't like it because in certain verses it, it kind of takes the, the power of what the Bible is trying to say away from it. And that's not true for every verse, but for that one, it was very true. But um, in the New King James, I like the way it says it better. Beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It exists right here. That's why I'm talking about the renewing of the mind. And this scripture is so important to, to, to start out this message with, because if you're... Um, if you, I want to give you the first key that just led into that scripture. Your mind must prosper in order for your life to prosper. Think about that. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Your mind must prosper in order for your life to prosper. Because he said, I wish that you would prosper and be in health. Two different things, but they work together. I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So our soul can only prosper um, if we are taking it to the source of how our soul prospers. Our soul doesn't prosper whenever we watch the news media. Very rarely do they give us any good news. Our soul doesn't prosper when we listen to the negative opinions of people around us. Um, it doesn't prosper whenever we just binge watch Netflix to, to, you know, ignore or avoid everything. Our soul only prospers when we give it the spiritual food that it requires from the Bible. And um, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're dealing with renewing of the mind. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. My brother evangelist John Duke, love you, man. Thanks for watching. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, talking about the power of renewing your mind. Remember, I told you just a moment ago that our, our mind is a spiritual weapon. Think about that as I read these scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war 
as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after we have become fully obedient, we will punish every thought that remains disobedient. So, our mind is a spiritual weapon. Since our mind, it's, it says we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. So, when we take every thought captive, you're, you can't control every thought that comes to your mind. The way, the way that we renew our minds is whatever thought comes, we take that thought and we say, does that thought line up to what the Bible says about who I am in Christ? Because when you get born again, everything changes. But until you renew your mind to what the Bible says about your born again nature, you can't benefit from what your new nature has. Because when you get born again, your mind doesn't get born again. Your spirit man does. So you have to teach your mind. That's what the Bible's for. You have to teach your mind, train your mind to think on what the born again nature has in it. You go through the book of Ephesians talking about our born again nature. You go through the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians. The Bible is full of the truth for the believer. Notice how the wisdom of this world, um, the, edu the education professionals of this world, I'm not saying they don't know anything, but the education systems of this world will never compare to the vast knowledge and wisdom that comes from only God's Word. And so when we fill our minds, there's different ways that we do that, obviously reading the Bible, but you know, when we speak the Word of God, we, we activate something, the same thing that God used in Genesis chapter 1 when He spoke the earth into existence. When we speak His Word into our lives today, the Bible says it has the same effect as it did when God spoke the earth into existence. Consider, consider that creative power. So you, can, you could do this. You could double up on your level of authority of, of um, taking your thoughts captive by not only controlling what you're going to meditate on, what you're going to think about. You know, if you watch... If you watch movies or fake news media or whatever it is that you do, um, then they're gonna they're gonna put something in front of your eyes for you to have. You're forced to think about it if it's in front of your face. So that's why it's so important to guard what you watch, guard what you're looking at, guard what you um, what you say. You know, the Bible says above all else, guard your heart, because from your heart flows the issues of life. And that, tie, that could tie right into this, this uh, teaching today where the issues of your life are more important to you than they are to anyone else in this world. I like to say it like this, and it, it's kind of a harsh reality if you think about it. Nobody cares more about your life than you do. And unfortunately, there's some people who don't care about their life. But the way that you can take control of your life, so to speak, is... When you guard, guard the gates, guard your eyes, guard your mouth, guard your ears, don't allow anything into those three gates uh, that doesn't line up with this word. 
you know, you like I've already said, you can't control every thought that comes. However, you can take it captive. If you look at your bank statement and think, I don't have enough money for this month. You can take that thought captive and you can say, no, the Bible says, it, you know, you go to Deuteronomy 28 if you want to, because I'm a tither and a giver, because I fully obey the Lord my God and fully uh, and keep all of his commandments, I am blessed. Because I'm a tither, he's rebuked the devourer for my sake. You take these truths of God's word and you use uh, the weapons of your warfare to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. That's what the Bible says. You make them obedient to Christ. So those thoughts will come and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. doesn't mean you're a sinner. doesn't mean you need to repent. But what you do with the thoughts matters. You don't let just something sit in your mind unchecked. You check every thought. Does it line up to the, what the Bible says about who I am in Christ? So I'm going to read this again. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Though That's referring to false arguments. The Bible is the truth for, for every born-again believer. The Bible is our truth. It, 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 you know, there's... Actually, I'm going to take that statement off. It's not our truth. Um, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So if we're born again in Him, anything that was not in the life of Jesus should not be in our lives. The Bible says that though <clears throat> that Jesus was rich, and though He was rich, He became poor so that through His poverty, He could make us rich. There's things that Jesus did that we're not expected to do. One of those things is die on a cross for the sins of the world. Obviously, he's our greatest example of what we're supposed to do in our lives above anybody else. We Obviously, we follow people. There's spiritual leaders that we're supposed to uh, follow and, and take in their teaching and learn about the things of God. But Jesus is our primary example of, of how to live in this life and be victorious. However, we don't have to die on the cross for the sins of the world. You know, we don't have to be beaten so that, so that we can be healed. He did that for us. But there's different things. He, he spent time alone with God. He, he, he was the embodiment. The Bible says he was the word, became flesh. And so when we got born again, we, everything about our old nature, the Bible says we were crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So since Jesus is alive on the inside of us, he, he never wrestled the devil except for those 40 days in the wilderness. So there's no wrestling the devil. The Bible says we resist him. The first thing it says is we submit ourselves to God, and then we resist the devil, and then he will flee. There's no fighting. There's no wrestling. There's just resisting. And so part of that resisting, we resist the thoughts that come from this world. We resist the thoughts that come from the enemy. We resist the thoughts that come from the flesh. We take them captive and we say, no, it doesn't line up with the word of God. So regardless for the reason of why those thoughts came, I cast them down. I rebuke them. I declare the word of God. 
If you struggle with the spirit of fear, when those fearful thoughts come, you say, no, I take that captive right now in Jesus' name. The Bible says, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Again, going all the way back into the renewing of your mind. You know, the more that you meditate on the Word of God, to meditate means to speak. The more that you meditate the Word of God, the less the less struggle you're going to have with, uh, with, with a crazy thought life. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never have a negative thought again or a fearful thought, but what it means is you'll, you'll get to a place, the more that you meditate His Word, where it happens a lot less often, and also when the thoughts come, you can identify those as enemies to the victory that you already have in Christ. Notice I said you already have it. You're not fighting for victory. You're not trying to get victory. You have been given the victory through Christ. And the way that we enforce that is by renewing our minds and thinking like God thinks. So number one, your mind must prosper in order for your life to prosper. Number two, go with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. That's right, Mario. <clears throat> I'm glad this is helping you. Romans chapter 8, and um, I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can, can never please God. Now, I'm going to keep reading in just a minute, but notice how it says, those who are controlled or who follow who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So it's a choice. We have to make up our minds that we follow the Holy Spirit. We follow what the Bible says. We don't follow the sinful nature, which is our flesh. Our flesh didn't get born again when we accepted Jesus Christ. Only our spirit man did. So we still have to uh, crucify our sinful nature. We do that through fasting and prayer. One of the best ways to shut down the works of the flesh to shut down, you know, the, 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 just the things the flesh wants to, to, to do. The way that you, one of the biggest ways that you crucify your flesh is through fasting and prayer. Don't eat food and pray. And, uh, you know, depending on, depend, I, I would say go three days fasting and prayer, just praying in tongues, filling your mind with the word of God, speaking and declaring the word. And eventually, you're going to start to have an overflow. You're going to start to, the more that you look into this word, which is our freedom, the more that you get into this word and speak the word and study the word, you, it's going to start to have an overflow in your spirit, man. And you have a well in your spirit that you create with the help of the Holy Ghost to draw from. And that, that edifies you, that refreshes you 
that affects your mind. When you speak the Word of God, it has an effect on your mind that causes you to prosper. And so when it says we're not uh, controlled, we're not under the control of our sinful nature anymore. We have to decide that because the Holy Spirit is not going to force you to... Um, He's not going to make you pray in tongues. He's not going to force you to get into the Word of God. He's not going to force you to pray, even in your known language. He's not going to force you to spend time with God. He's not going to force you to go to church. He's not going to force you to tithe and give offerings and do the things that the Bible teaches that we're to do as children of God. He, he doesn't force us to do anything. It's called obedience. And so when we make the decision that with our total being, our spirit, our mind, and um, our physical body, when we make the decision that we're going to obey God with all three parts of our being, that's us deciding, no, I'm not going to be led by the flesh. I'm going to say no to the flesh and resist it. I'm not going to be led by this world. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to live in, in what the Bible says. That's a decision that we make. So that's how you do that. Um, going on to verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead <clears throat> lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Type this in the comments. I'm led by the Spirit of God. You know, and when you say that, oh, when you say that to yourself on a daily basis, it's powerful because you're speaking the truth of God's Word into your life. And then you're also renewing your mind to say, no, I, I may not be able to control every piece of information that's coming to me, whether it lines up with the Word or not. But I can decide if I'm going to allow that thought to stay in my mind and produce fruit in my life. Because what you, if you don't take authority, here's what happens. If you don't take the thoughts captive, and especially if you allow that thought to, to if you speak it from your mouth, I'm afraid of getting sick. I'm afraid of, of my finances not, uh, you know, not increasing in my finances or not having enough. I'm afraid of what's going on in the world. When you allow yourself to speak that, you cause that thought of fear to actually manifest in your life. That's what happens. But the same is true with the Word of God. So when you take that thought captive, and instead of speaking how scared you are, maybe it's true that you're in fear. But the way that you destroy that is you say, No, the Bible says that I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The power of it is that you can destroy it. You can destroy those fearful thoughts of anxiety that, that you know, you're afraid to get sick. You're afraid that you're not going to uh, make it financially. You're afraid that your children are going to be in danger. Whatever it is that you might be afraid of 
or you might be dealing with fear, the word of God spoken from your mouth causes those thoughts to be destroyed. And you stand on the word. Maybe, maybe whatever you speak from the word doesn't happen instantly. And that's where a lot of people lose the battle. They, they lose the battle not because the word of God doesn't work, but they lose it because they don't stand on the word. Sometimes you have to stand for longer periods than others. But the good news is that when we speak the word of God, the word of God wins the fight 100% of the time. Some fights last longer than others. Think about it from a natural sense. When you have a UFC fight, and if you're not familiar with what UFC is, boxing, whatever, whatever uh, co competitive fighting sport you could think of that's, that's fighting, you know, in the UFC or in boxing, you have two opponents that want to win the fight. And they, every fight, most fights have more than one round. And so obviously the two opponents, one of the two opponents can win the fight in the first round. If they fight, if their technique is good enough, if they're strong enough, these different things. But say you have, say, say those opponents, neither one of them win in the first fight. Do they, do they, do they decide, okay, I'm going to quit because this fighting stuff doesn't work. Do they say, uh, I didn't train hard enough. So I just give up, you know, obviously my technique isn't good enough. No, maybe they did well in the fight, but their, but their opponent also uh, stood his ground too. And so you have to realize that the devil is, is the opponent, and your flesh can also be the opponent. And so if you eliminate the flesh and decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take authority over the flesh, not just by ignoring it, but by resisting the flesh. And then you also say, I'm going to resist the enemy as I stay submitted to God. And when you do that, you enter into that uh, fight, the good fight of faith, knowing, number one, that you already have the victory. The devil doesn't stand a chance against you because of the anointing of God and because you've also put the truth of his word into your heart. But what that does is you say, I, whether this fight goes one round or ten rounds, it really doesn't matter because I already have the victory. So I'm going to stand on the word of God until my enemy or my opponent has gotten too tired to take any more punches. I'm just going to keep throwing punches. I'm going to win every round and I'm going to stand on his word until my opponent can no longer stand on his feet. And when you do that, you have a champion's mindset because the devil, the problem with the devil is he doesn't have the same, um, endurance that you have. That's why endurance is so important. When we endure the trials of life, I don't mean endure by, some people think endurance means that you just, you just take all the devil's attacks, you just take all the negativity in the world and you don't do anything about it, but you stay somewhat positive. That's not endurance. Endurance means that the, all the fiery darts of the devil because as you hold up that shield of faith, all the fiery darts of the devil have zero effect on you. That's what the Bible says. He quenches every fiery dart, not some, all. So the, when we hold up that shield of faith through renewing our minds, through speaking the word, through standing on his word, we hold up that shield of faith and it quenches every fiery dart so that our enemy, the, the, our opponent, which is the devil, he stands no chance to... Uh, None of his, 
well, I'm trying to use this in, in fighting terminology, so forgive me uh, for those of you who might not understand the UFC or boxing, but when the devil tries to hit you, it has no effect because you've, you've put that shield of faith up. You understand what I mean? So as you put that shield of faith up, he hits you, but you don't feel it. He feels it more than you do. And then the longer you stand, you don't just stand there holding the shield of faith up. You have the sword of the spirit for a reason. If you have the sword of the spirit, then it does you no good to stand there and not use it and just hold up the shield of faith. It's good that you're blocking the shots from the devil, but now there's more than just blocking to fighting. If you're going to fight the good fight, you have to use that sword and, and chop his hand off or, you know, stick it into him. You do that by speaking the word of God. Every time you speak the word, it's a sharp two-edged sword that goes and cuts cuts the power off of the devil from having any effect on you. So when you speak that word, you're using the sword of the spirit against your enemy and you have endurance. Some, sometimes people, uh, um, you know, they, they struggle with endurance, but let me encourage you with this, regardless how long you have to stand on the word. If you remember that the word never fails and you remember that your enemy, the devil, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. I want to put emphasis on that word, may, seeking whom he may devour. Now, don't decide that you're going to be someone who he can't devour. The only way you can do that is to be rooted and grounded in this word. Because the devil, the biggest, um, how do I want to say this? The most effective weapon against the devil is the word of God. Because it's the sword of the spirit. And so when you speak the word of God, that's what Jesus did in the, in the uh, 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness. The spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And what did Jesus do? He, um, he spoke the word of God every time the devil came to test him. The devil will come to test you about the word of God that you're standing on to see if you really believe it. If he can get you to give up after one round, then don't feel bad. Just decide, no, I'm not going to allow this to, to, to um, be the case anymore. I'm not going to allow what the devil is doing to convince me that the word of God doesn't work. I'm going to, again, figuratively, if you understand boxing, I'm going to tighten the tape on my gloves. I'm going to put my mouthpiece back in. I'm going to stand back up on my feet knowing that I have the victory, knowing that I'm so much stronger than my opponent. My technique is better because of the anointing of God. Everything about me is better than my opponent. So I'm going to do everything I need to do. Tighten the tape, get back up on my feet, put my mouthpiece back in, shake it off, and I'm going to fight again. And whenever you go into the ring with that uh, victorious mentality, and that confidence that only comes through Jesus Christ, then that fight has already been won in your mind. No fighter goes to the ring, um, especially a championship fight, you know, something that's th that you have two very well-trained fighters going in to fight each other. Maybe one of them is the champion, the other one is coming up, and he wants to have that belt, that championship belt. Well, if the person that's coming in to challenge that champion doesn't go in with the right mindset they lose the fight before they ever get in the ring 
That, that, that's, uh, that would be common sense, really. And so it's the same in the spirit. You have to go into that, that arena of faith or that ring of faith knowing that, you, number one, Jesus is the champion and he has given you all the power, all the authority. He has given you the weapons of your warfare and your opponent that's coming in to try to tell you that he's going to take your championship belt. You're just laughing at him. And he's going to come in, and the only chance that he has to win the fight is if he can get you to think that you don't have what it takes to win the fight. That's the only way. And so that's why it's so important as we renew our minds to what the Bible says to win the fight. That's why it's so important. We have to renew our minds to think like kings, to think like champions. Because the, nowhere in the Bible, Jesus didn't think like a loser. He didn't think like someone who uh, who who had no idea what he was doing or what he was about or who he was. He knew exactly who he was. And as a champion, you know exactly who you are. You know exactly what to do because of the Spirit of God in you. And so number two, we train our minds to think like Christ. That's number two, if you've already written down number one. We train our minds to think like Christ. Christ isn't defeated. He doesn't think defeat. He doesn't think lack. He doesn't think poverty. He doesn't think depression. He doesn't think fear. All of the things that would be attributed to someone who, is, who has been defeated, uh, that you can attribute those to the devil, to the flesh. And all of the things that would be attributed to a champion, are they come from the Word of God. And so when we train our minds to think like Christ, we train our minds to think like a champion. And, and I want to include this. When you, when you train your mind in the Word of God, the Bible says that um, we, our lives will follow our thoughts. The actual, the actual verse says, as a person thinks is what they become, so they become. And so your thoughts are important as, as you continue to go forward in the things of God in life. What you're thinking about, what you're meditating on matters. Don't allow, don't allow the, the enemy or your flesh to put thoughts in your mind that don't line up with the word. Excuse me. So number two, we train our minds to think like Christ. Um, let's go to number three. Turn with me to John chapter eight. John chapter eight. And before I read that, I want to I want to shed light on something that's in my in my spirit to mention, and that is um, praying in tongues, because the Bible goes further in Romans chapter 8 into those verses and talks about the Holy Spirit being our helper. And the Holy Spirit, it's so important. You know what? Just go there. I'll go back to John. I'm sorry. Hold your place in John chapter 8. But listen to this. It's, so, it's important for me to, to point this out. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for, what, for that future day when God will reveal his, who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom 
from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up until the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't, have, we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now this is what I want to get to. Verse 26, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. What's our weakness? Our flesh. Our flesh causes us to, um, if we're led by the flesh, the flesh leads us to defeat every single time because it's not born again. So the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, talking about other tongues. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us to pray out the perfect plan of God for our lives. Not just in the body of Christ or in the world, obviously that's the case too, but in our personal lives, um, the, praying in tongues helps us to renew our minds. The Bible says, beloved, um, he, it says, uh, um, I'm trying to remember, I've got so many scriptures in my head at the moment, but um, as we, we, we stir ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, I don't know why it was so hard for me to remember that scripture, but we stir ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So the more that we pray in tongues, we, um, we stir up our most holy faith, but we also, that, that also helps us to renew our mind, because when we pray in the Spirit, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you've been speaking the Word of God, if you read the Bible, if you study the Scriptures, that's obviously building up your spirit, man. But then when you pray in tongues, we build up our most holy faith, the thing that comes from hearing His Word. Now, obviously, there's the written Word and the spoken Word. But either way, when you pray in the Spirit, it builds up your most holy faith. So it's very important to pray in tongues on a daily basis because that has a, that, that's one of the aspects of renewing our minds. When we pray in the power of the Spirit, when we pray in other tongues. If you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of praying in other tongues, uh, let me know. I'll pray for you because it needs to happen. It's absolutely necessary. And um, the only prerequisite is that you've been born again. But praying in tongues is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us to renew our mind. It's, it's also another way that He helps us to pray out the perfect will of God for our specific lives. And He shows us the things to come. It, it strengthens our inner man. It edifies us to do that. So it's, it's very powerful. Now, go back to um, John chapter 8. And um, I want to get into number 3. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And uh, the Bible says, actually I'm going to start reading in verse 31. Jesus said to the, to the people who believed in Him, 
You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Think about that. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because he says in John chapter 14, I'll give you the scripture reference since these are teaching broadcasts. It's good for you to know where the, script, where the scriptures are. I'm not, you don't have to turn there. I'm just giving you a scripture reference. John chapter 14, starting in verse 6, is where he talks about, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So truth is not subjective. Truth is Jesus. Jesus called himself the truth. And so when he said in John 8, 32, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the truth will set you free. That's very interesting because in context, the scripture, I'll go further and read verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never uh, been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of this of the family but a son is a part of the family forever going all the way back to Romans chapter 8 what I just read to you you're a son of God if you're born again um, verse 36 so if the son sets you free you are truly free type it in the comments I am truly free by the power of God <clears throat> so if the son sets you free you are truly free Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. You no, know, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't Ill illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your, were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you, lo and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, li when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can, truthful can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The, the people responded, You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I am no... There, um, sorry, let me try again. Verse 49, No, Jesus said, I, am no I have no demon in me. For I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is glorifying, uh, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. 
so he's obviously in an, in a a little bit of a, deba a, a debate right there with some people who think that they uh, know more than he knows, who think that they uh, they basically deny that Jesus is uh, the Messiah. And obviously, if you're watching this broadcast and, and you're on here to learn about the scriptures, you're probably not um, denying Jesus is the Messiah. And so since that's the context of the scripture, I want to stop reading there, but it's important to note that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that said, he's the one that said, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So Jesus is freedom. Jesus is the truth. There is no truth outside of him. What the devil does is he tries to take the, um, the problems that are going on in people's lives and in this world, and he, and he twists that and starts to try to try to convince people, especially born again believers. He tries to convince you that you're an illegitimate son of God. You're an illegitimate, illegitimate child of God, because what the Bible says is not manifesting in your life. That is far from the truth that goes back into renewing your mind and fighting the good fight of faith. That's why it's so important to stand your ground. The Bible talks about standing. Um, I wasn't going to go there, but I will. Um, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. This will be the last scripture I give you. I'm going to pray for people in a few minutes. Thanks for staying on. But these things are so important because if you want to fight the good fight of faith, you have to know how to do it. You have to know about the different weapons of your warfare. Obviously, today I'm dealing with renewing the mind. It's very important. Your mind is a spiritual weapon. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're talking, I'm going to still talk about these weapons of our warfare, and I'm going to deal with the armor of God real quick. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So he has a lot of strategies. I'll keep reading the scriptures in a minute. But I want you to think about that scripture that I just read to you. The devil has strategies, plural. We have weapons, plural. So for every strategy he has, we have weapons to destroy his strategies. So when I get ready to read to you about the armor of God, the different parts of the armor, every one of them plays a role in us fighting the good fight of faith. Every one of them plays a part and if you don't take up all of your armor, then there's a portion of your faith that is not working properly. And so it's not the devil's fault if you don't take up your armor. <laughs> I'm going to repeat that again. It's not the devil's fault that you don't take up your armor. And so there's no condemnation. However, you need to take responsibility for your spiritual life and take up the armor. Stand firm against the enemy. Why? Because you're not relying on your own strength. It says right there in Ephesians 6 and chapter 10, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. It doesn't say so that you can try to stand firm. It says so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13, Therefore, 
Put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Type it in the comments. I will stand firm. You will still be standing firm after the battle. I'm going to read that verse 13 again. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to, to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. So it doesn't say sit down and enjoy the victory. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be, be fully prepared. Somebody say fully prepared. So if you can be fully prepared, that means that you can be only partially prepared. You have to make the decision to get into the Bible and find out what it means to be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I'm going to repeat that. Verse 16, Romans, or not Romans, Ephesians 6 and uh, verse 16. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop all the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So all of those things have to do with the armor that God has given us. That armor protects us, so it's defensive. It makes it to where the enemy literally can't touch you. The only way the enemy has any effect on you is if you lower that shield of faith. Somebody said, well, I don't want to lower the shield of faith. How does that happen? It happens whenever you stop speaking the word. Whenever you decide to not take those thoughts captive. Any part of the, of the armor of God that you stop using gives the enemy a hole where he can get to you. That's why you never, you never get off of lifting up the shield of faith. You never, you never let go of the gospel, the pure, the, the pure, simple gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose again, that he rose again from the dead, that, that he is the Messiah. He is the, he is the only way to heaven. The simple gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible calls that shoes. And for, for those who put on the peace that comes from the good news. So the gospel brings, brings peace. So the, those that put on, for shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And so all these things are, are part of the armor of God. And if you neglect any of them, it, it creates a hole for the enemy to be able to get to you. And that's what causes people to assume that the devil's strong and that the devil, it's easy for him to attack. It's not easy for him to attack. The only time it becomes easy for the devil to, to attack and the only time he starts to, um, to be able to have any effect on you is whenever you take down one of your weapons. You know, that's, the, that's true even in natural war or in fighting. You have, you have your weapons, you have your shield, you have your guns or, or your swords or whatever it is that you're using. You have your defensive weapons and your offensive weapons. If you only use your defense, you're going to be protected, but you're not going to inflict any pain. 
against the opponent. You're not going to inflict any fear into your opponent. We should be inflicting pain and fear and terror into the realm of darkness. We should get, be causing the devil to be afraid of the one who's in us because greater is he that's in us than, he's a, than he that's in the world. It's easy for people to quote those types of things, but when, when it comes to living in those things, to walking in those things on a daily basis, it has to happen here and here. It has to be the way that you think. When we renew our minds to what the Bible says about who we are in Christ, it changes how we think. It changes, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about this crazy lighting on this side. I'll have that fixed. But when we renew our minds, we think like God thinks. We think in victory. Um, so number three, we fill our mind with truth from God's word. So number one, uh, in three things, three important things to renewing your mind. Number one, your mind must prosper in order for your life to prosper. Number two, we train our minds to think like Christ. Number three, fill, we must fill our minds with truth from God's word. These three things, they're not the only things, but instead of trying to become, instead of trying to break everything down more detailed and prolong the broadcast, these three things are basically simplifying uh, what it means to renew your mind, to walk in the truth. And the more that you renew your mind to live and walk in the truth, it not only causes you to live in the freedom that I read to you about in John chapter 8, it not only causes you to live in the freedom that the Bible says belongs to you in every area, in your finances, in your, in your body, your family, your home, your marriage, every area. Jesus is the truth. And so if Jesus didn't struggle with it, we shouldn't be struggling with it. So as we renew our minds to, to, the, to the victory that Jesus has given us, it causes us to be able to walk in those things because it changes how we think. So that when thoughts come that are contrary to God's word, that we call that lies, because if the Bible is truth, everything else is a lie. So we don't allow lies to stay here in our minds we renew our minds to what the truth says, and that's, called, that's holding up that shield of faith. That's reinforcing that helmet of salvation. The helmet goes on your head. Think about it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and, your, and the life, so that helmet stays on our head. Don't take that helmet off by um, not renewing your mind. If you walk around without a helmet, then whatever whatever. You know, the enemy is going to aim at whatever hole you give to him. He's going to specialize. He's going to say, okay, they took their helmet off. Let's attack their head. Let's attack their mind. Let's attack their emotions. Let's attack them in their vulnerable area. So whatever area, that, whatever weapon we don't lift up, whatever armor that we don't have on that day, the, the enemy is going to capitalize on it. He's going to say, they, they took off their shoes. They took off their peace that comes from the good news. Let's attack their feet so they can't walk a straight line. Let's attack their feet so they, they can't walk. They can't move and do what God called them to do. Uh, you know, let's, um, they put their sword down. They're not speaking the word anymore. So let's, let's attack them. That's what the devil does. So do the opposite. Keep your weapons strong. Keep the weapons of your warfare ready to go, charged up. Keep the armor of God equipped and on. 
every single day. That way that there's no way that the enemy has an entrance. There's nothing he can do to steal your victory. And as you do that, you'll find out that victory is something it's something you carry on a daily basis. And um, it's, it, you know, the devil can't take it away from you. Victory is not something you're trying to get when you renew your mind. It's something that you carry because it's how your mind is now wired because of the Bible. Praise God. And so I want to pray for people. And um, if you have a specific request, you can put it in the comments. And I'll pray for you, no matter what it is. Um, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I know that this is a discipleship broadcast for, for born-again believers, but uh, maybe you're watching this broadcast and um, or on the replay, and you've never given your life to Christ. You didn't even know that that was uh, necessary or, or, or whatever the case is. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 3, in verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever will believe upon Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Believe it or not, God loves you. He has good plans for your life. And in order for you to enjoy the good life He has for you, you have to get saved. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about just praying a prayer. I'm talking about giving your whole life to Him. But it starts by, by uh, confessing Him as Lord and Savior. It starts by repenting of your sins and giving Him your life. So I want you to pray this prayer with me to give your life to Christ. You can repeat it, but mean it from your heart. God in heaven, I give you my life today. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me power. I thank you for dying for me. Thank you that I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, contact me on the website on the screen. I want to help you grow in your walk with God. That's what it's all about. You can also watch these broadcasts to, uh, to learn more about your walk with God. That's what they're for. There's a greeting uh, video on my website on the homepage. It is specifically for you if you just gave your life to Christ. It's just, it's just to say hi, introduce myself, and uh, give you a few tips on your growth with God. And there's no strings attached. Just let me know that you uh, just got saved and I want to help you out. It's important to get involved with the church. It's important to do what's necessary to grow in the things of God. Now, for those of you who are watching, um, I don't see any prayer requests. So I'm just going to pray a general prayer. For, for those who are watching live and those who watch the replay. And um, I'm going to trust God to touch your lives, to, to, um, to, to walk in the truth of His Word, and to see breakthrough in every area of your lives because He loves you. He has good plans for you, not plans for disaster. He, he wants to heal your bodies. He wants you to, to have breakthrough in your finances. He wants to bless your family. There's so many good things that He has for you. He only has good things for His children. He's a good God. So let me pray for you. If you're watching, lift your hands. <clears throat> if you're driving, don't lift your hands, but receive this. Father, I thank you for every person who's watching live, those who watch on the replay. I ask you to touch them right now in Jesus' mighty name. I loose the anointing 
of the Holy Ghost and fire. Father, strengthen them with mighty power through your spirit and their inner being. In the name of Jesus, as they continue studying your word, illuminate it to their spirit. Help them to renew their mind. In Jesus' mighty name, help them by the Holy Ghost to renew their mind to what the Bible says, to no longer struggle in any area of life. For everything in life, Father, illuminate your word to them so that they can walk in the truth, so that they can live in victory in Jesus' name. I speak victory over their lives. I speak victory over their finances, over their families in the name of Jesus. I speak victory over their jobs, their careers. I speak victory over their marriage in Jesus' mighty name. Help them to hold up the weapons of their warfare against the devil. Help them to... Uh, Help them to stand firm on your word and never give up. In Jesus' mighty name, refresh them right now. In the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it. They are victorious in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you receive that prayer, just thank God. Just thank God that he is doing a work in your life today. Thank him. He's a good God. Just praise him. Praise Him and thank Him for His goodness and His mercy. As you praise Him, I want to give you an opportunity to partner with the ministry or sow seed. And um, the website's on the screen, but I've also put, uh, I believe I put the PayPal link in the comments. Whatever God would ask you to do, just obey Him. There's no uh, maximum amount. There's no specific amount. We are believing God for 100 partners, uh, monthly partners every month at $50 a month or more. So if the Lord would speak to you to be one of those, uh, the facilities are there on our website to get that done. And uh, whatever the Lord speaks to you to do, just obey Him. Be a, a generous, cheerful giver. Give cheerfully. Because when you give, when you give to God, He wants cheerful giving. We're cheerful about it because we, we believe His Word. We're cheerful about it because we believe He's a good Father. Uh, and when we give, we know that we're not just throwing money somewhere at a nonprofit organization or at a ministry or whatever. When we give to a, a gospel preaching and teaching ministry, or you know, when we when we uh, give to a church or whatever the case is, um, when we do that, we're connecting our finances to the gospel. We're connecting our finances to the preaching and teaching of His Word and to souls. And so when that when we do that. That, that means that the enemy has no chance to attack our finances. He can try, but we act, we've activated through our giving uh, uh, God's protection. The Bible talks, that, uh, talks about it in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, you can read those verses. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and read it. I'll read fast because I don't know um, what time is it. It's almost, it's a little bit after four, so just give me a second. Maybe you've already read this, but it's powerful. This is what happens. Whenever you connect your finances to the kingdom of God, here's what happens. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. 
The Lord, your, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord will bless you in the land He is giving you. I want to stop reading there for sake of time, but that's just a few of the blessings that we, um, that we activate whenever we give into the kingdom of God. So our finances are blessed when we tithe and when, when we sow into gospel preaching ministries and soul winning ministries. So the, the, the tithe exempts us from the attack of the enemy. The Bible says he rebukes the devourer for our sakes. And then whenever we sow in the, in, um, when we sow into gospel preaching, soul winning ministries, it, the Bible says, pressed down, shaken together and running over, uh, he will return it back into us, 30, 60, or 100-fold, depending on where your level of faith is. And so, as you give, give cheerfully, give in faith. When you, because we give, when we give, we give expecting God to do what His Word says. We give expecting increase, expecting multiplication. Maybe you're believing God for increase in your business. Maybe you're believing God for a job. Maybe you're believing God for breakthrough in your finances. As you sow seed, as, and if, you, if the Lord leads you to partner at $50 a month or more, as you give, connect your, your seed with faith in His Word. Based on those scriptures I just read to you, if you have lack somewhere, connect your seed with faith in His Word that this, whatever the situation is connected to your finances, you're going to see God do a work in that area. When you connect your faith with your giving and do it cheerfully, He will increase you. He will multiply you. God's a good God, and He is El Shaddai, our God who is more than enough. If you're believing God to pay off your car, if you're believing God for debt cancellation, if you're believing God to expand your business, if you're a business owner, if you're believing God to expand your church, if you're believing God to start a business because you want to you want to, uh, you know, start a business to be a blessing into the body of Christ. If you're believing God for that business expansion, sow into the kingdom of God at whatever level your generosity is. I want to challenge you to sow, to sow a generous seed at whatever level you are, whatever He's speaking to you to do. Because as you do, it's going to pour out into your life. It's going to return unto you 30, 60, or 100 fold. And so thank you in advance to those who partner and those who give. Thank, I thank God for our partners in this ministry. We have such generous givers in this ministry. It's, it's wonderful to see what God is doing. And uh, if He speaks to you to be one of those partners, uh, thank you in advance. And if you just sow a one-time seed, thank you in advance. And um, obviously, you'll have to wait till the broadcast is over to use the link. But thank you so much for being obedient. Thank you so much for partnering with us, for, for um, supporting us, not financially, but just, you know, in general. Thank you so much for, for believing in us. We love you so much. If there's anything we can do to help you, if there's a subject that you would like me to cover in these broadcasts, let me know. I'll be glad to study the Word and bring you that broadcast. Be blessed. I love you so much. Ah, have a wonderful day.